to another episode of Out of Character. As you can see, it's me, it's Cotton, it's Bams, chugga, chugga, it's chugga, Oz. Chugga. Everybody's got opinions on the topic today. Yeah, in, in, based on the pre the pre uh, recorded statements, <laughs> we may be on the rails. Hey. hey, all right. I'm not hey. currently. I always wait until after I do my adulting. It could have been uh, a railroad reference. Fuck. Like, <laughs> you no, me out. I want everyone to know what you were talking about prior to the show. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, I would, I, would, I would hate for comments in the past to ever come oh, back and haunt me. I would love to facilitate that to happen. So... <laughs> So what's our topic? Because basically this this is another, I won't say complaint, but it's truly a complaint that you have about RPGs. It, no, I think it's uh, more wow. of a complaint about the GMs, to be honest. I, I think it's it's a little okay. bit, it's it's both, it's both. So so today I, I wanted to talk about out of combat uh, encounters or experiences or role play. And I think it's a little bit player or a little bit um, GM fault. I think it's a little bit game fault. It kind of hit me like you look at a almost any uh, book for any game, and it's here's how to kill people, and it's just page after page after page of maneuvers and abilities and spells and weapons and armor. It's all combat, you know. It's, uh, this kind of came to me when I was playing um, Civilization Six, which is a video game, not a role playing game. Do. But bear with me. Like this is Civilization, and there's like a bajillion military units and like one trading unit. So the game wants yeah. you to kill people. And I think that that ends up in role-playing games leading to a problem where nobody really wants to do those because there's not a lot of tools there. It's not very deep. And only some characters can even interact with it. While in combat, all the classes are, are, are clearly made with an eye toward combat, right? It's like, okay, this, what can you do in combat? What can you do in combat? Okay, great. What can you do out of combat? Oh, fucking nothing. So now we can't go there. Fucking nothing. You know? And I, I think that there are some things being ignored, and I can't I can't fix the games. I can't make them print more shit. But there's some stuff that the GMs can do to help okay. out this problem. I, okay. I can immediately solve this. You ready? All right. I'm ready. Oh, God. Get... <laughs> play a better, play a better play game. Play a better game. Then he's play saying a all game. games. He's saying yeah. all RPGs. All of them. What is this magic game with, like, a really deep out-of-combat? Is it The Legend of the Five no. Rings? I feel like that's, like, the one. <laughs> no. So, like... No? One of your your main complaint there was that it's all based around combat, but that's really only like a D and D thing, where the entire game is built around combat. So every character class has to be good at combat. But like, mm-hmm. you've played Shadowrun, you know how Shadowrun works. Not Shadowrun every character... has uh, a similar problem in that yeah, there's the face, but what the fuck does the Street Sam do in literally any other non fights? Like they're murder machines half the time. But the face isn't a murder machine, so when it becomes murder what machine does the time, what face get to do? Everybody's got to take their time. Everybody yeah, has nothing. to take their turn <laughs> in the spotlight. Yeah. Some people are are built like the face to do the legwork stuff, and when it comes time to murder time, they take a seat in the back and they let the the murder machine go forward. Just like when it's hacking time, and yeah. just like when it's you know, sit by that and watch the major like. That seems like another problem. Okay, so so D and D has the problem of at any given time, everyone can do combat and only one or two people can do face stuff. Shadowrun is at any given time one person's really playing the game, the other four aren't. Like that's not that bad. I'm being a little bit hyperbolic. You're but, being a lot hyperbolic. Uh, yeah, but you like got, the face can't do shit. Time chamber going on over there. The the face. Okay, so in combat, the face can't do like you know they shit. Do tons like of generally, stuff. they're not going to be. Combat. They can do stuff. Okay. They're not great, but they can be a utility person. They can be a backup. They fire like one bullet, and the other guy's like John Wick <laughs> mode. Well, specifically in Shadowrun, firing it's not firing one bullet. You're firing once, which when you have like semi-automatic, semi-automatic, and fully automatic weapons, like you're still applying a significant dice pool penalty to not be shot in the face okay so fair enough so everyone's good in combat combat's great we got shit everyone fixed what about the non-combat thing do street sams and hackers uh have as much in riggers have as much yes, to do they do uh, that's that's yes. not fair <laughs> you, <Yeah. laughs> okay. okay look okay you're first off first off shadow run as a system 
is answering the questions that you are asking here. It is it is solving the problems that you are having, with the exception of magic, because you don't mm-hmm. like magic bullshit, and I respect that. <laughs> now, I don't like their magic. Well, you're right, but also their magic right. is worse. But please continue. Right. Okay. So you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about my my runner hub character Stamp because he was a street stamp. He was a murder machine. He was built to murder, and yet. He had a list of contacts that he could talk to about stuff. He had great perception, so he was casing the joint. He was looking for entries. He was looking for security. So while the face is trying and failing to do his talking thing, Stamp standing standing by it when inevitably people want to throw hands, he's there to catch the hand and then crush it so the face doesn't get his, his, his face bruised. I mean... Fair enough, and, and this may not be a fair retort. I do know Stamp had more karma than Buddha. So, like, if you have enough... You got enough <laughs> you karma, enough, you can build you know, anything. How to yeah, solve this yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. first right. crack two eggs and have 900 <laughs> karma. That's how we're going to start this recipe. No, but, but, absolutely. You know what? That's true. Everyone no. plays Shadowrun. Okay, right, we solved right, it. But, go play Shadowrun. Okay. It's great. There's so, nothing wrong in the rules of Shadowrun. Wait, let me go all right, let me go to D&D now. Go to D&D. I'll go to D&D. All right, D&D, we all know D&D was born. Of men who gathered together and played with little miniatures to reenact historical battles. It started with those people. And then they went, well, why are we limiting ourselves to historical battles? Let's just do fighting. And uh, we'll put it in a fantasy thing. like Almost like a medieval fantasy world. And voila. D&D. It was born from just combat so i believe that's why it's so combat focused but i don't think i need any mechanics or rules to make every single class feel like they can do everything good both in and out of combat i i understand that that's just not how people are so that shouldn't be how pcs are sometimes i'm not going to be good at something and i have to let somebody else that's the whole team work part of the game so what's I, the? I agree. I, I, I'm not saying they have to be. It it's the occasional bone to throw at them. I guess is what I'm saying. Like the, yeah, sure. Your bard, your sorcerer, they're going to be kicking ass doing the face thing, and and part of my complaint is there's only so much you can like. There's only so many tools you have. Like combat, you've got forty bajillion tools. Out of combat, most of your stuff is deception, persuasion, stealth. It's like five five skill abilities, and that's kind of it. But that, that aside, you have the guy or the girl who's really mm-hmm. good at that thing. Okay, they're, they're out there doing the deceptions and the persuasions. You can do other stuff to give other people ends into that situation. If, you know, I'm not like sure that they should have like 70 or 80 percent of the star of the show. But it doesn't have to be 100 percent. It shouldn't just be like every time we go to town, the barbarian turns his brain off. He's like, oh, I'm not playing this game today. Bloop. We'll just let this guy roll dice at the NPCs for two hours. I think it discourages out of combat. When you, be, when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. You know? I, so I, you tend not to want to go into much town work, social setting stuff because you only have like one or two people who can remotely engage with it. And really only one at a time, usually. Usually it's like we pick who's going to go up there. And it's going to be the one person who's good at the one thing, and they have to talk to the one NPC. Or in combat, even if someone is the best at combat, they only get one turn. They all mm-hmm. get to, like, throw dice at the thing to make the thing go away. We can't all six of us talk at the shop Yeah, but why can't <laughs> the, the barbarian owner, talk when he goes you know? into town? I don't understand. What's, I mean, is, what's, what's, what's their charisma stat that they just can't talk? Yeah, like my, usually my I eight, <laughs> so ten and they don't is, have things to persuade. They tend not to do it. A normal person, just a regular person, would have is a ten. They're, they're at eight. They're, they're at eight so usually. it's not like you know usually they're, they're dumb, dumb stats, mute so. or whatever. They, it'll be a little rougher, but it's not the end of the world. Why let them talk when you have a rogue or a bard or a, like? Why would you ever let them talk to anyone? It depends. Drunk. Who Shut the fuck I, up. Drunk. Drunk. No talk. As as a barbarian, he was the best talker. Is that because he used why, 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 why is that true, Oz? More so than his intelligence or his charisma. They mm-hmm. do okay. That is the thing. You can have wisdom and insight. Some people ain't <laughs> got that. Okay, if you if like like your wizard is brain off, your barbarian uh-huh. unless they have punk wisdom a little bit is going to be brain off. It it's clearly slanted. And all I'm trying to do is say here, you know, there are some ways 
that GMs can sort of like ameliorate for this. They can, if they see it going way too much in one direction and the bar is doing all the stuff and everyone's just kind of sitting there and hasn't had anything to do for five or 10 minutes, you can do things with a little effort to kind of bring them in and let their character class, you know, their actual character shine in a way that is specific to them and helps the party. You can distribute a little bit of that sunlight that, mm-hmm. that, or that that uh, that star so power around the table. Have you had a player table. actually like say after like watching other PCs do stuff for ten minutes? Do they actually complain like, "I wish I could do more"? I have not had that, but I tend to uh-huh. throw bones to people. I tend to just be looking around the table and and okay. judging the vibe on people, and and the players I've had who did not have the ability for their character to speak very well were uh-huh. themselves quite gregarious. So they could overpower some of that, you know, lack of character ability with some of their own personal persuasiveness, or they uh-huh. were coming up with ideas for the person with those dice. So it's like, yeah, you're the one rolling the dice uh-huh. and doing the actual talking, but some of your ideas came from four feet away. That works. That's it's up to your party dynamic. I think it would have been a lot worse if our facey people were themselves quite charismatic and just kind of like didn't need the or, or seek the advice or assistance from somebody else who was who was quite gregarious. And my recent campaign has frankly been very, very combat-y. It's a module. Yeah. It was it's it's mostly designed around combat. Uh-huh. That's the way we have gone forward. Hasn't been a lot of persuasion roles. You know, it's it's something that I think was a mistake on my part. I think I could have shoehorned some more stuff in there. And it, I will definitely be changing that up right. going forward. So, Bamps, Oz, what do you guys think about this? Have you ever had a player kind of, have you had a player sit there, look at you and go like, hey, I wish I could do more out of combat. I don't think I can do anything. It's been 10 minutes. I haven't said or rolled a die or anything. I'm upset. Never? No. Bamps? Not really. Uh, statistically speaking, I've run a lot more of everything else than I have D&D 5th edition. But, uh... I mean, if you're listening to this, you listen to the mm-hmm. show, and you know how I run things. Wow. Not to say that I'm great and awesome, because I am, but I like to think that I have a good, uh, what's the words that I want here? A good track record of balancing spotlight around the table, because it's like, there's a lot of things going on. And some of that comes from one of the first games when I started to get back into tabletop games in my adulthood was Dungeon World. And that's a Powered by the Apocalypse game. And reading one or two of those, reading Blades in the Dark and stuff, will really improve whatever game that you play because of the way they frame their GM tools and GM sections, where Powered by the Apocalypse stuff phrase things in the like, what do you do mm-hmm. verbiage? Where even when it's like in a combat situation, I can be like, Oz, you just saw Cotton get punched in the face by the bartender for hitting on his wife what do you do to kind of like instead of you know cotton you just got punched what's your next move i kind of interject that other player into there because they're still also in the scene i don't know if that made as much sense as i thought it did to my head yeah i think uh, part of that's because dungeon world i don't think has an initiative system so there's a bit of a round robin discussion about events but i'm not 100 percent sure on that you would be correct okay yeah so uh, you can you can go around the table and it's it doesn't have to be in order right you can go by a vibe and feel and you know deal it as appropriate the narrative cool. what makes the most sense which is something that i suggest you do the next time you kick off a new game as a house rule is to instead of you know roll initiative as you normally would if you're doing D D, but instead of it being player a then b then c just let them their slots and whoever is ready can take their turns there and it opens up a lot more tacticalness and keeps your players engaged because their turn could be next or i i hated that that's like dude i, I pulled up dungeon world and i read yeah. that and that's why i closed the youtube video i was like no initiative close like how, do you, how does that work <laughs> i don't know how that works okay i want to cast man. fireball and kill them before they can react man <laughs> if only you continued to watch the video you would know how that works god damn it I, my patient man <laughs> my attention has been card. exactly my attention span has been hollowed out by reddit <laughs> this does not conform to my expectations therefore i'm turning it off <laughs> yeah pretty much you, yeah that was <laughs> let me ask you this cotton <laughs> and and you've admitted you know 
to me, you, you've, you've mentioned before that you're a little ADHD. Do you think that affects a bit. your thinking on this, that you want everybody to, to be able to do stuff in and out of combat? You don't want it to be on just what you want everybody to have the chance. Does, is that it, that sitting back and letting somebody else go? Is it that whole, well, I want them to be able to do stuff. I don't want them to go that long. No? Not not really. I just think people want to have the ability. To me, I want them to have the ability to interact in that space a little bit better. So everyone can interact with combat, and you want them to be able to. And as a GM, you should probably be, probably be concerned if someone seems unable to. Maybe they have a very unoptimized character, and they're, they're very mm-hmm. – and this could be any game. Mm-hmm. They, uh, and, and frankly, Shadowrun does stand out. They could have a very unoptimized yeah. character. They sat down with the rules. They built this yeah. thing, and it kind of, you know, sucks. And they may not even be the most uh, min-maxi, I need, to, I need to be the star of the combat show, but goddamn, sometimes you want to kill some shit. But that's that gets fixed, right? In the social world, I have seen a lot of games where, like, it came down to social stuff, and only one character is throwing dice. Only one character is meaningfully interacting. And I think that is bad. I think everyone should get a little bit of time or a little bit of opportunity to get some of that spotlight, not only for the spotlight, but because it can also flesh out some of that character and make things a little bit more interesting for the group, for that player. Kind of bring some of their stuff to life when they get to be interacting. Because if the only time Gronk ever interacts is when he's throwing an axe, it kind of sucks. You know, like... I feel like you just kind of naturally get more roleplay opportunities if they're present, as opposed to just kind of like faded away in the background as the bard talks. I'm I'm going to say it again, but Ooh. play a better game. For an example, <laughs> Savage Worlds, right? Your basic character at Savage Worlds starts off with a D4 in like four of the main abilities and like sneaking, perception, uh, I believe it's persuasion, and something else. So you start with like a base level competency that everybody has. There's no like if you have a penalty to this, there's no dump statting, so you don't have persuasion. And with a target number of four and Bennies and the D six wild die and Savage Worlds, like everybody kinda has that that little bit. Call of Cthulhu. Like you can put your percentage points into whatever you want, but you also have your luck pool that you can spend to to influence things, and you can also push roles where, uh, like, sh- something right. like D and D doesn't have a meta currency. Like, sure, inspiration exists, but one, who the fuck gives it out, and two, who the fuck remembers they have it? If that second was a problem, <laughs> I mean, when I would do it in person, I would give candy because this way, when you use your inspiration, you can eat a piece of candy. <laughs> You laugh, but it if you got like Reese's, so much. if you got a Reese's cup sitting in front of you, you're gonna be like, yeah. And this is Halloween season, y'all. You can get bite-sized candy. So, but that's <laughs> and more importantly, after Halloween, you can get it for a lot cheaper. Yeah, we have problems. True, true. I, I guess fair enough. We don't we don't like D and D. D and D bad. Play a better game. I do not think Call of Cthulhu is that. Call of Cthulhu is a weird game. It and is I a almost. Weird. I almost like you hesitate should. to really shit on it because I think I have only played it. Shit on it right I now, should hesitate. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've only played it in these weird storyline. Pl- like they're like plays. It's like it's like, it's, it's not it's not like it's a real threat or the threat's so high you're just fucked. And so it seems very conducive to like like if I was gonna play Pride and Prejudice the RPG, Call of Cthulhu could get that done. Okay, it, it just seems to be good at doing things that are kind of mundane and normal-ish. But whenever I faced a like the few times I saw a a baddie show up, it was like, oh, you just die. <laughs> like your your or your ability to succeed on something that's not in your wheelhouse felt like twenty five percent, thirty five percent, like not great. It was like the anti shadow run. That's just a personal vibe that's either here nor there. I think it was. I do think it was great at what you're saying, though, Bams. You know, you have lots of people good at several lots of things. Um, all right. Maybe I'm coming at it from a very D&D point of view. You Fair are. Fair enough. But uh, I don't know. I've still seen – I've seen I've seen Street Sam's in non-combat environments mm-hmm. just kind of disappear. Like they're there for the combat, and that's it. 
Now, I was also playing a runner hub, which is one shots. So you don't have as much of an opportunity, obviously, to weave in well, complex a narratives. a lot of variables, well, right? I mean, maybe that player, maybe they don't want to do the social stuff. Maybe they're there just to do the combat. Maybe they're fine sitting back and just waiting to roll for combat. I mean, it, it, there's a lot of variables. Sure, don't that's, know that's fine. I mean, it's it's not just the system. It's also the player, what their goal is for the game. You know, and if they choose a high combat, like yeah. that's the focus, then that's the focus. It's it's a very, very player-centric issue there in that, you know, on the runner-up, it doesn't matter what I'm playing. I mean, obviously, if I'm playing a phase, I'm I'm taking the spotlight. But if I'm playing my Street Sam... I was interacting even if I wasn't throwing dice. If I was playing a decker, I was interacting if I was even if I wasn't throwing dice. And if I'm running a game, I am going to go to each person and say, All right, while well, this is going on, what you doing? And if I'm gonna get a response of, Well, I ain't doing shit till the combat's thrown, haha, I'll be like, Okay, fine. Or if it's gonna be, I'm just gonna sleep through this, give me my reward, please, I'll say get the fuck out. It it, it yeah. It is also so a lot with the GM. The GM needs yeah. to make sure he throws those bones, he pulls people in. But some players just like to be spectators for the majority of the game and just roll when they get to do their thing. Some players need to talk and interact the whole time because they like to hear the sound of their own voice. Some players are very highly engaged, you know, but it's just a matter of, What's the makeup at the table? I don't know if it needs something added to the game. I don't think we need to add any mechanics to make it happen. I think it's more a role play GM player situation. I I think kind of so. Um, I do think that more people than you may think want to be a part of the out of combat stuff. If they don't, that's fine. And I mean, that you know, hey, maybe this podcast ain't for you. <laughs> maybe you just find me back there hacking and slashing shit. Cool, cool beans. That's that's fine. But it also means that your player who does want to be a part of things kind of has to play a class that's a part of things. You know, like maybe you want to be a barbarian or you want to be a wizard, but you also want to be doing cool stuff out of combat. Like, God forbid. And uh, I think there's some things you can do that I think are often sidelined or ignored or just yeah just not i guess focused on that you can do to like bring people back in and let them have something to do i would say things like like if you have somebody who's really good at talking they may be the slickest person on earth good for them but that can't always beat certain affinities like maybe your character uh, who's not good at talking is uh rich or of a noble background or high class you know as opposed to this dreadful new money who is, uh, you know, slick talking them? You know, you could have that can be an in. You could give that person a bonus on their dice roll or an advantage if it's D and D or something like that. It could be something like the same, uh, the same race, the same class, the same geographic area. Anything that's like, hey, you know, I have an in with this person. This person and I have something in common. I'm going to have an advantage on this roll. I'm going to have a bonus on this roll. Something like that. It could be. I, I like finding weird shit that about that character or class or whatever, like some weird one-off ability and shoehorning that in, you know, like, like the barbarian in my party has speak with animals. That's just fucking comedy gold. What a wonderful ability. Your barbarian should be speaking to squirrels all the time. You know, <laughs> I, I think it's great. And that could be a way to like give them something in a city. They could be speaking with the pigeon and getting intelligence or some shit. You don't know. It could be anything. So stuff like that is kind of where I was looking at it from you have all these little weird one-off abilities that can often be sidelined and aren't combat-y, but can allow these like non-combat characters, uh, or these, I'm sorry, characters that are not good at non-combat kind of like get smoothed into the fold of the out-of-combat stuff. Uh, I would suggest taking some of the things we've learned from other systems and trying to incorporate them into any game you run. Uh, for example, in Shadowrun, everybody gets a pool of contact points to create NPCs with in Vampire, everybody at minimum has a sire that's an NPC that is somewhere uh, somewhere in the world. They have probably two, at least two touchstones, so that's two more NPCs that are important to the character in some fashion. In a 
a D and D type setting where you're trying to increase the non-combat stuff. For one, uh, it helps when you are only within the uh, the same city or the same general location, because otherwise it's like we're gonna go gallivant across the world. Goodbye, friends. Uh, but you could give them the opportunity and the capability to make up some NPCs, and it also helps get your players invested in the the game on a on a deeper level than just what's the story that's happening. Be like, you know, everybody go around the table, tell me a NPC that you have a positive relationship with, and tell me an NPC that you have a negative relationship with, and then you just plop them into your city, your town, or wherever you guys are playing. I, I agree with that. Uh, I was thinking kind of bringing it up like D&D has backgrounds. Shadowrun has contacts. Uh, Shadowrun explicitly has contacts, and they're like a big part of the game, it feels like, and that's great. So, yeah, I, I agree. Every every game, frankly, should have contacts. I think D&D should add contacts. It does have backgrounds, and there are certain backgrounds suck. that have lots of... Why do they suck? They don't have to suck. I think backgrounds are the, are the like... Like the hidden, the hidden wonder of D. Like no one gives a shit. They pick one, they forget about it, and there's shit in there that's so yeah. helpful. Like noble lets you get access to certain noble areas. It doesn't matter if you can't talk good. You have the ability to be like on the inside of the circle. You have stuff like um, guild merchant. That's town to town. Maybe your contact is your local guild merchant, but Bob also knows Sarah. Uh, you know, a town over. That's a constant way to have access to an NPC who is at least aware of you or sympathetic to you um the problem with them is how they are mm -hmm. formatted and they are formatted as one little flavorful thing that probably doesn't really come up all that often and a couple of proficiencies and that is the gm's fault in my opinion oh no I that's, that's wizards of the coast fault for formatting them poorly so, some of them are trash like outlander is like super trash because it it's only real thing is unless you forage well which yeah, anyone who takes out outlander can already forage well and that's not even a big deal but anyway break tomb of annihilation in a yeah but urchin i'll give you one urchin lets you move through towns twice as fast okay that's 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 fucking useless or is it uh, if I'm looking at that as a GM and I have somebody who chose Urchin, I am going to reward that 100%. I want to have like an event happen in town, okay? A disaster happens, and like parts of the roads are blocked, of the road is blocked off, or there's some like the, the characters are being looked for, so, something that denies access. And now, because you're an Urchin, you have access to like get around the city faster. You have those underworld contacts and kind of like the secret tunnels because that's what it's. It's really communicating. It doesn't mean you walk fast. It means you're taking the back alleys and the nooks and the crannies and the tunnels and the sewers to get around the city quicker. But it also means you're getting around not through the main thoroughfares and therefore are less able to be detected. If you're a criminal, you have like underworld contacts. That's cool as shit. Bring that in. You know, rogues are usually not the talking character. They can be, but they're, they're usually not. Have them have underworld contacts. That's cool as shit. And they could reach out to them. Be proactive. Take this shit and like wave the flag in the air. You know, if they're a sailor, that's a background. You can like have access to ships and shit. If they're a soldier, they could be meeting other veterans. You know, they could be meeting someone on the opposite side of the war that has long since been settled and kind of like has a begrudging respect. There's just ways to take that and craft in NPCs and contacts and allow this character doesn't have a lot of. Um, raw mechanical ability have some in have some connection to their place. It is a good place to put the uh, like the urchin thing. Tell me about your uh, wow. Well, what was the guy's name for Oliver Twist? Finian? Fagin? Oh Fagin? fuck! It was the Artful Dodger. I think was Fagin. one of them. <laughs> Fagin. I was close. Yeah. So when you have your kit, your player with the urchin or like the thief background, you ask them who is your Fagin. And you know what happened to them? Where are they at in the city nowadays? And even if they're like, "Oh, well, they're dead," I'm like, "Okay, well, who killed them?" Well, and that's it. Like <laughs> what you're talking about with the backgrounds and that. Sometimes, and I'm talking to one of your players who's listening live for his first time. Welcome. Um. Yeah. Uh, oh shit. <laughs> I mean, yay. Um, yeah, talk, talk more about the barbarian, yeah. why don't you? Yeah, he's Big great, brain. smart. Big brain. Um, like so, like for your backgrounds. I'm seeing, like, a lot of people just, because the, the backgrounds aren't great, but you have to choose one. So you just choose one and you forget about it. But you seem 
Cotton to say that if you see it on there, you're going to try to use it somehow as a GM. Yeah, that's what I want to do more of. I did it more in my first campaign, and I've kind of gotten away from it, and I want to, I want to go back to that. So if I, if I have like a new party, new table, I am going to look for any weird shit, starting with backgrounds and going to weird class abilities and weird race abilities that like never see play. And I want to bring them up in those out-of-combat. I mean, if you can make it in combat, great. But I want to bring them up in an out-of-combat way and and like tie them to their place and make them more a part of that area, a part of that town, village, mm-hmm. castle, whatever, whatever yeah. the fuck. I want to like use that to both give them things mm-hmm. to do, give them ends, give them the ability to shine if it's been a minute and tie them to that place. And I think that that's, you know, cool. <laughs> you know, what's an excellent example of this that I, I'm willing to bet anybody listening to this has seen. It's the D and D movie. Yes. Cause like half of that movie is, um, making mm-hmm. connections between people where like uh, in the back they were like oh, or I'm sorry in the beginning they were like you know we need a, a druid or something and Simon's like oh I happen to actually know a, a druid uh, and then they meet Doric and then there's also the mm-hmm. can't remember his name the paladin you know and then the other guys all mentioned that they know of him. So it's like, oh, you know, this guy's actually kind of legit. And then it just kind of builds from there a little bit. Uh, so that's an excellent example of like how those NPCs and contacts and, and stuff all. Because like, obviously, Holga the Barbarian has very low charisma. She's not a people person, as we very clearly see. But she knows things. She has history in uh, the Helm of Disillusion, where it's like, you know, I know where this was because of backstory stuff. And then they went and (laughs) talked to a bunch of dead people. Um, But it was a way to where it's like, she just doesn't get cool fight scenes. She also got to contribute in a lot of other ways. Didn't she also distract one of the guards with, like, weapon talk? Like, they both started geeking out over it, and then she beat the crap out of him? Uh-huh. She definitely stalled talking about the... asking questions about the axe while she was getting that brick out, but, you know, that brick could have been out at a, a plot speed, so... Yeah, but they still geeked out over it, which was really neat. And then I, it I, off- I liked that a lot, too. And then it paid off because then they were like, like we gotta get out of here. And he's like, no, no, no. First, I need to get some linseed uh, mm-hmm. oil or something like that to yeah, to take oil. care of the weapon that she just stole. Uh, she was great. I loved mm-hmm. basically everything she did in that movie. Yeah, I think that uh, you know, as in the movie, you're talking about she knew about the weapon. There's like stuff you can do. I think in that game, I, I don't know how well this translates to translates to other games, to be honest, but that is like using alternatives or just using skills in general or alternative versions. I think the textbook is intimidation, which is usually a charisma based skill. The idea I think being like you do a stare down Clint Eastwood style, you know, you squint. Yeah. But like you can use strength. It's a, it's the textbook example is you can use strength to like menace someone. So you do intimidation plus strength, not charisma. If it's just raw, I'm bigger than you and can break you in half. Please do the thing I'm wanting you to do, or else that might occur. But there's like other ways to do that. You could do stuff like um, what would be what would be like a constitution, like a um, like a drinking game. Like you dream of a drink off, and uh, maybe you're making con rolls, maybe you're not. But you could be doing like con intimidate to like see if they can. Or if you it. get punched <laughs> in the face to no sell it. Exactly. Yeah. Just punch yourself right. In the, yeah. Just like take. No, take they punch you. Back and forth. They punch you. Oh. And you just like. Turn back, look at them like eyes wide, like you done fucked up. Oh fuck yeah, exactly. Yeah, you just kind, you just I'm I'm just I'm tougher than you. That was a mistake. Uh, that's kind of a, I think the movie version of that was from I want to say Friday, where Chris Tucker like slaps the shit at a big worm. <laughs> He's like he just gets punched right in the jaw, completely unfazed, and looks at him and goes, "Why did you have to go and do that?" <laughs> and he, like has his goons beat the shit out of him. But it was an intimidating move. You hit this guy as hard as you could, and it's like, nah, man. <laughs> And yeah, 
Um, you're gonna have to try harder, sir. Uh, yeah. Could so, you do? Could you do intellect? Could you just be like a? Um, what was that? Like the oh, shit? What was that movie? Um, fuck, Matt Damon, where he's like Goodwill a smart hunting. janitor. Fuck. Goodwill Hunting. That's a movie. Everybody. He's like, uh, he goes in there, and he's like outsmarts the dude, gives him the whole how about them apple speech. Like, I'm smarter than you. Please stop talking. <laughs> uh, I would do a, an intelligence-based intimidation as something where you lay out the... Um, did you ever see Red? Uh, the first one, yeah. Okay, I think it was the second one, but FBI agent is after main character. Main character's like, yo, knock it off. Uh, I'm trying to do a thing. And he calls him from the FBI agent's house, is on the phone talking to them, knowing that they're tracing the call, and then ends the call after he knows that they're traced so that when the FBI agent is given the address, he sees that it is his house. <laughs> yeah. I, I would uh, have put it in there. I, so I, I I like that, and I don't know how it translates exactly to like Shadowrun. I think Shadowrun has an intimidate ability or some something like that. It does. Shadowrun, like a lot of the other games that we've talked about tonight, is not a hard length system the way like D and D is hard length, where you the game does not account for the idea of rolling different attributes and skills together, where something like Vampire is like roll whichever two things make sense. Uh, it's in the rules. It, it, it is stated. It's just not traditionally done much. But it, it is in the rules. Right. Sure. But it, but the amount of times where and I've watched a lot of actual plays because uh, I'm weird. But the big ones, you almost never see them do it. Yeah, the, the suggestion goes along. I mean, it's also on the sheet. And it's it's kind of D&D being the newbie first person or the fir- first RPG, you know, baby's first RPG. Yeah. So they're going to give you the suggestions, but that tends to. Uh, I blame the character <sighs> sheet because the character sheet has your skills on there. Yeah. With the assumption that you're going to do the math to have your. Uh, your modifiers already written in there with the default attributes attached to them. Yep. I, I blame that too. It's it's and all the math is all done. It's so convenient, but it is a bit railroady slash locked in, which is unfortunate. Yep. I admit there are problems with D and D. Maybe one or two. So we know Lots D&D of them. D is not the system to use. So, uh, but also, it doesn't seem like <laughs> it's a systems problem. It seems like this is a GM player kind of thing to fix. Again, I don't think a mechanic is needed. I think this is just better GMing. I don't think it has anything to do with the system. Right. It's buy-in from the player. It's mm-hmm. buy-in from, from the GM. And I think there needs to be a lot more buy-in from the player to make the GM's job easier. Like, when I'm running the game and everybody's like, oh yeah, I've got this stuff here. Me as a GM, I need to press them more. It's like, all right, how does this fit into what we're doing you know how is how is this con- how does this person bother you? How do you how do you pay attention to them? Because in game, I don't hear anything about it, so they need to give me more specificity so I can get them involved more. Like, sure, you know if if barbarian wants to talk his way into a place where you know like his sister is being held. You know that's that's where I'm going to force him into into doing those roles. But then, depending on how he wants to approach it, like if he wants to use his strength as a as a you know intimidation tactic, great. Let's go ahead and and roll your intimidation and add your 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 base strength bonus to it because that's what you're good at. But it does require a lot of buy-in instead of just I want mm-hmm. to sit through dice, which is really tempting with all the fucking dice goblins that are currently I in this love channel. I love throwing the dice. <laughs> I love throwing dice, but... <laughs> Yo, when we went to Gen Con and I picked up 400 <laughs> WAN dice in a single... I was like, I could finally play Shadowrun. Right. I only play Shadowrun with, like, Walmart full-sized dice. White with black pips. Because everybody's got their little, like, t- tiny brick and the rounded edges. Fuck that. I want, like, a goddamn two fistfuls of dice. 
That, that's apropos of nothing. I just want. That's just how I like to do it. I used to base my 40k squad sizes on uh, 36 dice because that's what fit in one of the little cubes. So yeah. that I never had to count out 36 dice. It's like these things have two attacks plus one on a charge. There are 12 of them. 12 times 3 is 36. 36 is a cube. I'm going to throw a cube. <laughs> Genius. I, I think it's great. Math. Hell yeah. So we also have fun uh, right. uh, joining us for the first time live listening. And he, I just want to mention, he, he says he loves auto successes. And I understand what he means. He's saying that, you know, if, if you have enough dice, you can just convert and auto success. That's great. Uh, but he wants to know if he's in the minority on that. Now, when you're talking that kind of auto success fuzz, yeah, when you're talking that situation, I'm all for it. But if you're talking to where in the game I don't want to have to roll dice, I just want to always succeed, that's to me as a, a no-go. And I know there there's a big difference in that. I, it really depends upon yeah. the, the circumstances. Like, uh, I'll use Vampire as an example because an aspect of the horror in Vampire is the fact that for a lot of your powers, mortals don't get a save because you're immortal. And the idea that it's so easy for a kindred to just like use presence or use dominate to just like wipe mm -hmm. their mind or make them do something it is like part of the horror because like look how easily you were to just do terrible things to that poor guy that was just working mm -hmm. his job. So in those situations, I love the, the auto success things like that. It's just one, it, it's faster and easier to just do a thing. Well, in like in, in non-stressful, non-combat situations, if somebody says, oh, I want to, I'm not going to make them roll a dice. Yeah, sure. You can work on it. Do you get it? I don't care. It's fine. You can succeed. It's not a major thing. But if it's like something that's very, you know, important or integral to the story, then yeah, I, you know, I, I want the role. It's uh, it's interesting that this comes up, and good on you, Fuzz, for for talking about it, because uh, Dimension Twenty just wrapped up a mini series, Mentopolis, that was using the kids on bike system that was modified, and they have take half in that, and there are also certain like skills or or feature benefits that you can get as a character, where even when it's like one of those do or die roles you can spend a moxie, which is what you get for failing a roll, and you can do that as a take half and really, you know, pull your feet out of the fire on it. And it was used to very, very good effect during that uh, that little mini campaign that just wrapped up. So um, I would say I would say look at that. And, you know, I never really thought about taking half or auto successes beyond uh, in Vampire when I am immortal and you are not. Ha ha, I win. Um, but after looking at that, I was like, okay, that's something that I could, I could do more of. It's like, I do like situations where, you know, it's about the party getting to where those roles were matter. It's like, yeah, I could have you throw, throw dice for, you know, every, every action that could fail, but where's the, where's the fun in that, I guess. There's another mechanic that has recently somewhat recently uh come up that i want more games to do it comes from icon um their combat is sort of d20 based it's a it's not plus a bunch of modifiers or anything like that but it is rolling a d20 to, to try and hit um what they have is what is called fray damage and a lot of your abilities are if you hit, you do die type or two die type plus fray. And most of the abilities on a miss, you still deal that fray damage. So you're always, always, always moving towards combat conclusion. You don't have any of those situations where, oh, well, you know, I miss, nothing happens, and you get in those streaky situations that suck. You are always moving forward. Uh, the the rest of the system has a lot of different things that you would probably not deign to to see in another game because of just the way everything else is. There's a monster in it, for example, that puts down a three by three square, 
and you roll a d20 and you roll a d8 and record those numbers and anyone standing in those spaces you don't roll dice while you're standing in those spaces every d20 you would have rolled uses that result that you pre-recorded and wrote down any uh other die type that's not a d20 uses the result from the other thing so it's like crazy with some of the things that happen in that game i tend to not like the auto rule thing but not for good reasons i'll admit i i, I like wackadoodle bullshit and, and and the more dice means by default you will have more wackadoodle bullshit uh but for, if i was like in Shadowrun, i kind of get it or in like really gritty games i would i i get it hell even D D has um rogues have like reliable talent or something there's a few i think some other shit like that but it's basically like you can't roll below a 10 D also has things like take 10 and take 20 for when there's no pressure situations. Oh, yeah. That's just... I, I see those, but like I never have really felt them come up because they always seem to be really mundane. And I, like to me, that to me the D&D rules for Take 10 and Take 20 are like, to solve situations you, should, you shouldn't be in. <laughs> like This is a really boring situation. Where there's a lock, and you need to pick it. What pressure is there if I don't? None. So why the fuck is there a lock here? Well, there shouldn't be. Like I, I, I don't know. I, I feel maybe that's just that's that's a reactive thought, but it feels like most of the time that take ten and take twenty are relevant. Where it's like a, it's a time based thing, where it's like you need ten or twenty minutes. I don't think you should have your characters encounter a problem where twenty minutes can go by and it's fine. Like just don't have it be there. You're not wrong. Stuff that's in the moment. That's where it gets interesting you know where it's like well my character needs to do this thing and they need to do it right now and they need to do it correctly and well i have reliable talent so i i'm pretty much going to get it right you know I, I can't roll below a 10 i've got a plus eight on the roll so that's probably going to get it done uh you know and fuzz is talking about stuff where it's like you know games where you just automatically hit it like you know i'm so good at this thing i will do the thing well i don't think shadow run does have it i think I think you can trade in yeah. like four dice for a hit. Yeah. Yeah. It it's kind of like the take ten or take twenty rule where it's like if you can mm-hmm. buy hits at a four to one uh at a four yeah. to one exchange, right? If you know the GM's cool with it. And there have definitely been times, especially when hacking comes around where I've like yeah, you've got you're hacking a stuffer shack, you've got a million dice. I'm not interested in tracking overwatch score for you hacking this uh especially if you're gonna fuck up just a little face. bit and back out yeah i i don't know i think that also indicts shadow it's, it's like a problem that's solving itself like the penalty for that is so high so on, on an average dice roll you get a one in three hit right well now you're saying you have to trade in four dice that's a that's a nasty penalty. In Shadowrun, you roll so many dice. It's not like D, it's not like it's it's one d twenty, which is swinging as fuck. You're rolling if if you're in the if you're in the realm of I'm trading four dice for one hit. You have a shit ton of dice, right? You're in that six fifty, you know, twelve sixteen ish range, right? At that point, you probably would just be better off rolling the dice. It really is almost the same as the D and D situation where you're facing something so trivial. And so normal that they're just like fuck it. <laughs> it it's it's you know if, if you're sitting on sixteen dice and you have that many to to, to trade in on a task, you, you know we're kind of there, right? It's kind of a a move point. To me, the visual representation of taking those successes, trading in the die. To me, it's Indiana Jones, the scene where the guy has the whip or, or the sword or whatever, and he just pulls out the gun <laughs> and shoots him. That's the oh, auto, it's just that's oh, the okay. You, you make it narrative. <laughs> yeah, boom. There you go. You do it, yeah. and you do it with nonchalance. Yeah. I mean, there's ways around <laughs> it. Uh, so Oz, you're you're running the alien game for Halloween. I am. And I know in that game, like I I built a character. My character is very much a one trick pony. I don't get to do a lot, and I definitely don't get to do any of the talking or decision at all. Uh, do you do things to make it so I can still interact in the non-combat? I mean, I'm not even good at combat. I I mean, so like, 
I got drugs. Yeah. You got drugs though. So, so that's fine. I mean, do you do something to ensure that I, as a player who can't do combat, can't make any decisions, not really the social one, do you do things to make sure I'm I'm engaged in doing stuff in the game? Yes, absolutely. Now it's a problem that the the people who are in the alien game love to see me run it because they immediately scatter in four different directions the moment that we start. Which means that no matter what, I am bouncing from from group to group to group to see what they're doing all at the same time. So I also know who I'm gonna fuck with later with the alien. Like, you know, we'll take your you know, your character, even though, you know, you're not a talker and you're not a fighter, it doesn't matter because there is a situation in which you came in in which your talents were required front and center. And the talkie bit, like Cotton, mm-hmm. he's running a talkie character. So he's able, you know, he's in a situation where he's leaning on that and it's clearly working. Uh, you know, Cookie's basically running somebody who is, you know, she's not throwing a lot of dice. But she's commanding everyone because she's she's a she's an officer, so she's she's commanding people left and right. And then you know, Bams is Bams, and his character is is being lazy and sneaking shots from a from a whiskey bottle, and that's fine too. That's what he likes doing. So, you know, we're in Alien. It's hard to make a character that's going to advance because the type of game that we're playing is not. A, it's not exactly conducive to a campaign. Now, once all of this is done, I could write it out as a campaign, absolutely. And then it can be an official thing where people have the maps, they have the events, and their characters are able to learn and grow and actually use the experience system that Alien allegedly has. So, but for me as a GM, I just have to turn the camera on you and see what you're doing and everybody understands the system they understand what their characters are doing what they all want to do and that's where the entertainment and the drama of the game comes in so if 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 Jupe's character wants to talk to somebody you know absolutely but you know it depends on one what you want to say like if if you're talking about you know stuff that's in your wheelhouse I'm not going to make you roll a talkie roll. I'm going to make you roll a roll that's associated with your wheelhouse because that's mm-hmm. part of that roll. Um, and then, like, it's the same thing with, you know, with Cotton's character. Cotton did his talking, and now, you know, the next time a situation comes up, that role's already taken care of, and it's it's in in the area where he's strong. If there is a point where any of you get cornered then yeah, you're going to go to a role that is not in your wheelhouse because what you're up against is not something that you can really affect with any of your of your roles straight up. If, you're, if you are cornered by an alien, <laughs> you're not going to talk to it. You're not going to wrap a bandage around it. You're not going to give it a command. You're not going to say, hey, get mm-hmm. Well, you will, but you'll die. You know, the only thing that it respects is getting blasted in the face. It doesn't always respect that. And it doesn't always respect that. Uh, I uh, think a, a thing to jump in to steal the thunder <laughs> from Oz real quick is that sometimes you make a roll not to determine pass or fail, but to determine cost. What do you mean? In the last Vampire recording... The the PCs wanted to meet with another NPC, and it wasn't a question of whether or not they would get to meet with them, because you know it's a it's a social political game. Sooner or later, you're going to get to meet with that person. It being vampire, there's boons exchanged, and everybody's kind of out for themselves, and just assholes across the board, which is funny because another assholes work. But they rolled poorly on the the political role to get that meeting, so the guy they wanted to meet was going to charge them for it. Until, intelligently, the Coterie brought up the fact that, hey, this guy already owes us some shit. 
and then they use that as leverage to avoid the consequences of the the poor meeting setup role. Mm-hmm. I think that made sense. Yeah, it did. Without without getting too far into details, y'all can hear about it at the end of the month because <laughs> I think that's when that episode will post. Something like that, yeah. And I'll, I'll admit, I don't have as much experience with these super narrative. I mean, I, I consider them to be super narrative games like Call of Cthulhu, outside of our games, or Vampire, which is all talking. Like, you know, the combat is not the star of the show in Vampire. It is a really cool game with uh, the system's not weird. It's just, it's doing the thing we're kind of talking about. It's a very out of combat style game, is what it feels like. Mm-hmm. There's all these powers and abilities, and but all of them are just busted as shit in terms of affecting humans. And dangerous as shit in a political way <laughs> with, with vampires. Uh, one of the yeah. other things that Vampire does amazingly with combat is it recommends that after three turns, it asks the question of like, is this combat over? Because I'm sure you've had a great many D&D combats that after the third turn, you're you're hunting down stragglers and mopping up the last couple of goblins. Where in Vampire, it's like, is the is the combat close? If yes, continue. If no, wrap it up narratively. Talk about how this may or may not affect things. Like if you're like you guys are winning, how do you wrap up the the rest of the baddies? Or if you're losing, you know, you guys are on the back foot here. What's what do you think happens in a way that you guys get out of here? Oh, I I, I agree a lot. Like that's that's one of the best things I've done, and one of the worst mistakes I've seen is like the combat that won't end. It does tend to happen in D anD D. It mm-hmm. can get real bad in Shadowrun. I mean, I, I remember Shadowrun. You know, I played one time. We were like shooting some weird subterranean. I want to say Zara was in that game. I mean, Zarkara, but it was like some weird subterranean monster, right? But it couldn't move out of the room, and so we just took like five turns shooting it with pistols. It was the dumbest. It was it was it was rough. It, it was just boring. Like in in my most recent game we had our players uh, this is a team of annihilation they fight 12 minotaur skeletons when cleric comes out first thing she does is cast turn undead and i wish she had been one level higher because she would have just destroyed all those little fuckers instead she turns them well now there's a room of like 12 minotaur skeletons cowering for 10 rounds one minute okay yeah. the combat's like, over gonna... as you dogpile them one by one I should have. I probably should have done that. Instead, there was like a. I think. Uh, I think our barbarian had the idea to push him in acid. Like there was a big pit of acid, which was a trap they had overcome, and they wanted to push him into it. And the end result of this, me eyeballing the math and some rolls, was going to be like you had to fight one or two of these skeletons. They ended up fighting none. They just pushed them all into the acid one by one. And yeah, frankly, I kind of wish I had. I was lucky. I wish I had just done what you just said. Which is sounds great. That's exactly how you kill all of them one by one. You chase them with your with your holy symbol as they cower in fear, and then the, and then you all just sort of like dogpile them and chuck them in the acid. I'm not gonna roll out the damage. I'm not gonna do all this stuff, you know, because that that's a that's that's boring. Like in like the combat, like, yeah, don't want to get boring. If it's over with, just say and you wrap and and you mop it all up. E- even though D and D is a resource, was it? Allocation game management, yeah, resource management game. It's not even real good at that, to be honest. It's 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 just well, whatever. It's it's just boring. I did not want them to sit there and have to like empty out x numbers of. Yeah, if the combat's over, if it's just a mop up operation, just let it it be done. It's over. You know, you've got plenty more bad guys to use later. Yeah. Let's go back to some of like the vampire immortal stuff. There was a part. Uh, early on where Jimmy who had access to both presence and dominate was trying to get information out of a security guard so that he could find an apartment room. And it was just like, he's like, I'm going to turn on all. And then I'm going to start asking him some questions. I'm like, he's immortal. He gets no resistances. He gives you all the information you want. Here's this, 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 and this, and then you can easily cloud memory. So he forgets that he gave you all of this information. And it was just done. Yep. Yeah. Don't 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 get stuck in like an endless loop of something. So whatever, whatever it is. So did we solve this problem? I think we solved. Yes. Wait. wait what do y'all think? Don't play D and D. Don't play D. You are a harsh old D and D. Every hi, we have some old school uh, RPG players who've been on the scene for twenty years, and guess what? They don't like D and D. 
<laughs> the <laughs> I, what are the I love the we'll, we'll talk about the different ways in which D and D fails. I would. I will. I will stand wow. in as the defender of D and D. I I am having a great time with it. No, I'm not saying it's a bad game. It is very good for what it does, which is help mm-hmm. bridge new people into the the world. Uh, but when you start to look at things, some of the stuff is like, hmm. <laughs> okay, right. Fair enough. Maybe, maybe that's to be the uh, the, uh, the next episode. We the 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 um oh god the uh, Phoenix Wright uh, versus edition D and D on trial. I mean, I would need some time. I would need to put together a team of people. <laughs> what are you gonna get like Johnny Cochran on this motherfucker? Like, yeah, we'll talk about what we will talk about the ten ways you hate D and D later. <laughs> yeah. Okay, come up with ten. We're going to limit you a 10, yes. All you can say. Top 10 well, list. I had my episode where I shit on D&D, but no, fine. No, you said mine, you would be the defender of D&D. Dealable. I, I know. So I've used, so you wow. can't use any of my 10 is my point. Or right, well, however many I fucking had. <laughs> no, it just means that you have a method to defend yes. D&D against that because you were already well And first. now you will have to defend it. You have to take the other side. So no matter what he poses, you that have to defend. That makes sense. Who better to be a defense attorney than a convicted murderer? I, no, I get it. The logic is there. It's uh, it's that episode of Star Trek where Riker has to persecute Data. <laughs> oh yes, All right, oh, what we're a gonna great episode. Star Trek, we're done. It's All right, Star we're Trek, done. everyone. <laughs> Nerds. 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 Not the greatest system either. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining Cotton and I. So we talked about this. Uh, I think it was interesting. And um, I think it just boils down for me. It just boils down to get good. Okay. Play a different game. Get good and play a different game. I'm off the five, by the way, on how much things I hate about That's great. You have to get to ten. Don't, uh, don't. You got two uh, weeks. You know, don't spoil it for all of us. Okay. Everybody say good night. Good night. Good night.